I had to tell a couple of young ladies that today was Mother's Day. I hope that turns around for that for them throughout the rest of the day. There are no mere words that can come to the lips of this preacher that would do justice to Mother. She's both the morning and evening star of life. There's a tenderness in a love of a mother that cannot, well, it really supersedes all other affections of the heart. It cannot be chilled by selfishness, daunted by danger, weakened by worthlessness, or stifled by ingratitude. Mom sacrifices her comfort for the well-being of her children. She glories in their accomplishments. And in disgrace, even though the whole world might turn against them, she will still love him or her. Take the most hardened criminals that have done the worst crimes, and if you see them at trial, usually about the second row behind them is a mother wiping her eyes. Who was with Jesus at the very end of his life as he died on the cross? Was it the twelve men who spent the majority of time with him for the past three years? Was it a lame man that Jesus had healed, or uh, perhaps it was one of the ones he restored sight to? No, it was his mother, among a few others. And it is your mother, young lady, young man, that was with you in your deepest hour of need. How fitting it is that we have a day set aside to honor our mothers. God gave us a tremendous gift in the form of a mother. Now, the moment a child is born, the mother is also is born at that time. She never existed before. Before that, the woman existed, but not the mother. The mother part is something new. And yet, in that position, there's a natural instinct that's instilled by God because mother does for you what no one else can do. Young, as a young lad, Thomas Edison was sent home from school and one of his teachers had given him a note to give to his mother, and this is what it said, Your child is dumb. We can't do anything for him. Mrs. Edison, I guess they were a little more blunt back then than they are now. Mrs. Edison wrote back, You do not understand my boy. I will teach him myself. She did. I believe the results are pretty well known. In the modern age, modern moms averaged two children. In the 1950s, it was 3.5 kids. Have you ever met one of those .5s? I think I have. Uh, and in the 1700s, it was 7 to 10 children. Uh, you do, Mom, 7,300 diaper changes by the baby's second birthday. In fact, in diaper changes alone, that adds up to three 40-hour weeks each year. Your preschooler requires your attention once every four minutes. That's 210 times a day. You'll do an average of 330 loads of laundry each year. In fact, I believe the mother is one of the best arguments against evolution because she only has two hands. If evolution were true, she'd have like six. According to the latest data that's available, salary.com has pronounced that moms should earn around $162,582 a year. Any mom want to sign up for that right now? Amen. Now, in case you think that sounds a little inflated, let me remind you of the requirements of the position. Academic advisor, accountant, art director, athletic director, bookkeeper, buyer, coach, daycare teacher, dietitian education, event planner, executive housekeeper, facilities director, interior designer, janitor, judge and lawyer, both sometimes. 
laundry manager, life manager, logistics analyst, maintenance supervisor, marketing manager, network administrator, photographer, plumber, psychologist, recreational therapist, school teacher, staff nurse. Mother wears many hats. I want to look today at a rare occurrence in the Bible and in life where a mom got paid to be a mom. Would you like that? Here's what we're going to see out of Scripture today. Read along with me in Exodus chapter 2, verse number 1. And, they, and there went a man of the house of Levi and took the wife, the daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And she saw him that he was a goodly child. She hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood far off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse out of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, This is the child's mother. Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. The woman took the child and nursed it. Wages for a mother. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes. As we want to honor mother, yes, but we ultimately want to honor you. We pray as you do, as we now take these few minutes to, to look at this story and some other examples in Scripture, that you would help us to be challenged by the Word and to respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis ends with Joseph's death and burial. And it was a few years after Israel had come into the land of Egypt. Egypt, uh, Israel had been given uh, land in Egypt and they had prospered. As the book of Exodus opens, Egypt's king, one that no longer remembered Joseph and was no longer uh, prone to be kind to the Israelites, <coughs> he was fearful of Israel's numbers. And so he made a law that if you had a baby, if it was a girl, it could live. If it was a boy then it was to be cast in the river and killed. This was about 360 years after Jacob took his family into Egypt. And now the, the text here introduces us to a family, the family of Amram and Jochebed. The beginning of Moses is a frightening occasion uh, the, before he was born, I should say. Already in this home you had a girl about 10 years old named Miriam and a boy about 3 years old named Aaron. Now, here was another child on the way. But it was a child that was on the way during a very dangerous time. And you look at the edict here in verse 22 of chapter 1. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river. Every daughter ye shall save alive. Knowing Pharaoh's edict, Jochebed must have waited with intense suspense. Not having ultrasound, she would wait with bated breath for the birth of this child. If it was a girl, everything was fine. If it was a boy, he would be born with a death sentence over his head. What maternal grief must have been hers during this time of waiting? Well, he was born. It was a boy. And you might sigh and say that this is just another unlucky birth, 
of a boy in an Israelite family, but in actuality, this is the birth of one of the greatest patriarchs of Israel's history. And God, can I remind you, delights to do His best when you are going through your worst. Sometimes when you're at your deepest and lowest, He's going to come through and do a mighty work. Moses' mother was a slave, uh, possibly of the brickyards or the fields. She was no person of great importance. But can I tell you today, a person does not have to be great or great in the eyes of man for God to put his finger on them and do a work through them. God's work on this earth is normally carried out through unknown and insignificant people. But on the birth of this beautiful baby boy, she decided something along with her husband. They decided we're not going to throw him in the river. We're not going to allow him to be killed. We're going to keep him alive. At the very birth of this great deliverer began the battle of right against might that would continue for his entire life. She decided to hide her baby. Now I pause there because if you've had a baby, try to hide it sometime. See how that goes for you. We're going to have a nice romantic dinner tonight, and so I'm going to hide the baby. It doesn't, I, I, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big concept of thought there to think of what she accomplished, hiding a baby. That's what she decided to do, though. It was a very courageous act because it went against the decree of the king. Secondly, it was a clever act because I wonder how she did it. How do you hide a baby? It's not easy. They require constant attention. Little Johnny's new baby brother was screaming up a storm the way babies do. Johnny asked his mom, where did we get him anyway? She said, he came from heaven, Johnny. Johnny says, I see why they threw him out. Amen. Babies make noise, yet she hid him. Thirdly, it was a consecrated act. Hebrews 11.23 says it was faith. It was faith that caused them to do this, to reject the king's edict and to hide the baby. Faith always inspires virtuous behavior. That's what happened here. See, this mother made a decision. At the danger of her son's life and her own life, she was going to defy the order of the king. She was against the king, but God was on her side because God is for children. Amen? They're all through the Bible. God is for children. It is a tragic shame and a crime against God Himself that we have become a nation that murders thousands upon thousands of unborn children. God is for children. The Bible says in Psalm 127.4, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Psalm 127.5, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. You just thought I was crazy. I'm happy because i got a full quiver. Amen? Eight children will do that to you. Matthew 19.14, But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. May I say something this morning? And mom, I want you to get this with both ears wide open. Every mother with God on her side is on a winning team. Before going to work every morning, she would hide this little boy. Perhaps Miriam would be on guard, but she'd have to act like nothing was going on, and so she would have to go to work. Every few days required a new hiding spot, uh, as he be, as we all understand the growing bundle of energy that boys can be. I can't imagine the anxiety that she would go through as she's at work every day. There's no cell phone, there's no text, 
you can't check in at home to see how he's doing. You might, while you're gone, he might be captured or soldiers might do one of their checks and he might be gone and dead by the time you get home. And so every day, I'm sure uh, she would be in fear of seeing her baby dead or taken away. No doubt she spent all day as any parent would begging God, God, please protect my baby. Once in a while, soldiers would hold routine checks. She would hold her breath, hoping they did not, the baby would not choose this time to cry. For three long, excruciating months, they went through this torture. But there was a problem. The baby was growing. What to do? There's no way to hide him anymore. And so, perhaps under divine guidance, I believe God's all over this story, uh, a plan formed in her mind. She sent Aaron and Miriam to collect weeds that grew around the wet, marshy uh, sides of the river. The Bible calls them bulrushes. Actually, they are papyrus plants is what it's referring to. So Moses' basket was made from the leaf of the papyrus that grows on the banks of the Nile. This was used by the Egyptians for making garments, shoes, cords, and all, all manner of things. Then she made a tar. The Bible said she mixed it with pitch to coat the ark. This, when this coating would cool, it would become hard and completely waterproof. I mean, can you imagine how carefully she would weave those reeds that would hold her precious child? Can you imagine the last night before putting him into the water? Other mothers may have slept, but not this mother, not that night, knowing what she would have to do. Probably spent all night praying over her son. The next morning, she goes out and sets her baby into the river, trusting God for what would happen next. Remember Hebrews 11, she did this by faith. Now, it was an interesting point for us to see here. In chapter 1, verse 22, Pharaoh ordered that any male child would be cast into the river. Here, in a way, she obeyed that command. She put him in the river, albeit it was in a wicker basket with supreme faith in her God. Relinquishing all the control that she had, she gave her child over to the current of the river and the God who controls that current. And in that, we really find probably one of the most difficult jobs of motherhood. Relinquishing control. She had done her best, now it was up to God. Moms and dads, none of us are perfect. We do all that we can do, we do our best. But what can God do with our best? Amen. And, and she was where we all need to be as parents. You do the best you can. You pray, you discipline, you beg God for them. But then you have to let them go. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6.4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, admonishes young women to love your husbands and love your children. Uh, we do what we can, but we must involve God in it. Like Job in chapter 1, verse 5 of the book of Job, when he offers uh, offerings a sacrifice on behalf of the sins of his children, how you live, mom and dad, will absolutely affect your children. But there comes a day when you have to do what Jochebed did here. And you let them go. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It's a very difficult thing to relinquish your control. It's uh, one of the hardest things for me to do as a parent. And I'm sure it's just as difficult for a mother who carried that child for nine months. 
we've sacrificed, prayed, worked, invested for 18 to 20 years, and now we have to put them in the wicker basket of life and let them go. It's a hard thing to do. But I like what one person wrote. They'll never be strong unless they get hurt. They'll never learn without making some mistakes. They'll never be successful without a few failures. So take a deep breath and let them go. That's what Jochebed had to do. Now, she had to do it a little sooner than what I'm talking about. Amen. I mean, this kid was only months old. She had to have enough faith in God to let him go. Well, there's in her an innate desire to protect and care for her child. This is true of all good mothers. Do you know what the definition is of the word sweater? It's a garment worn by a child when his mother feels chilly. It's the definition of the word sweater. Moses' mother let him go. Probably early in the morning, I'm just guessing, probably early in the morning before she went to the field, she gently laid the baby into the river in tears. She turns to go back to her work. I'm sure she had no idea what the outcome would be from this step of faith. But can I tell you, friends, God will never fail you. Now say that again, God will never fail you. Once you obey, He will always come through. What was impossible from her standpoint was easy for God. Now, there's a lot of argument. I'm not here to settle this discussion, what angels do, but I have to think there was a few angels busy that day protecting this baby. You understand, all of heaven was interested in this child. Moses would change humanity by what he would do. I mean, through him, the law of God would come. I mean, this was an important child. You can be sure all of heaven was interested. Not one hair on his head would be injured. By the way, just as God was interested in what came of Moses, just as God protected the mother of Moses, don't you think for a second that he isn't interested in your clan? Don't you think for a second that he doesn't see what you do? I know it gets trying. I know it's, there's trials in it. I know there's many tears that you shed, probably hidden from everyone in the world, and you go through these difficult things. But keep at it. One mother of teenagers says, Oh, now I know why some animals eat their young. You've probably been there before raising children. You used to have functioning brain cells before you traded them in for children. I know it's hard, but Jochebed, Jochebed was faithful and she obeyed the Lord. And can I tell you, God is on your side as you raise those children to nurture and admonition of the Lord. He also wants to see you succeed and you may be preparing the next leader you might be raising the next great preacher or the next leader of men you never know what god has in plan for the child you're rearing you just do your part and be faithful well back to our story pharaoh's daughter came to the water she saw this ark probably she heard the ark as she's out there bathing in the river she opens the lid and the bible says that the baby wept so she opens the lid, she, he's either already crying or he starts crying when she opens it up. And when a woman's heart and a baby's tears meet, something happens, and it happened here. Little Moses' tears reach the common humanity that lies within all women. The king of Egypt, he might have been callous, he didn't have any compassion, he was cruel, he was the murderer of newborn Jewish boys, but he could not control his daughter's compassion for a weeping infant. This weeping baby 
was so helpless and yet so strong that it would eventually bring about the destruction of a mighty nation. This baby. I love this. I just, I read this and I always do it with a smile on my face. Here's Miriam. She's sitting behind a bush watching what's going on. She had been sent to kind of keep an eye on the ark. And so this basket floated up and I happened to hold to the fact that this was planned. I think that they wanted Pharaoh's daughter to find him. I, I, don't, I don't believe this is a, I mean, I think this is what Moses' mother would have wanted. And so uh, she finds it and Miriam's watching. And as soon as she sees that connection, you see, there's two, one of two things is going to happen. Either Pharaoh's daughter is going to pick up this child, drown it right there. That's what was supposed to happen. Or she's going to see that connection. You know, you, all, you see it when a woman picks up a baby and holds that baby, and there's just that natural acceptance. And uh, that's what she saw. And so as soon as Miriam saw that lickety-split, she jumps up from behind her bush. She runs up to uh, Pharaoh's daughter, and she asks, Hey, shall I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Sure. That's what her text says. Go find someone. And Miriam goes to the child's mother, Moses, her mom. That Moses is her brother. So she runs home. Mom! Mom, you'll never guess. The baby's alive and you've been summoned. Well, she has to go see Pharaoh's daughter. Now this could mean that she's in big trouble because this baby's older than it should be. He should have already been killed before this. Why is the baby still living? She could be in trouble or, as uh, Miriam probably told her, the reaction when she had picked up the child. She went and saw what was going on and she was hired. Did you hear me? Hired to raise her child. No longer did she have to go work in the fields. No longer did she have to work with bricks, if that's what she did. Now she got to stay home and raise her boy, and she was paid for it. First mother that I read in Scripture who's paid just for being a mother. Just let that sink in for a second. Under the protection of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter herself, she's being paid to raise her child. And you tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor? That's wonderful. Not only did the Lord said, hey, we'll protect the baby, we'll let you raise the baby, and I'll get you paid for doing it. Amen? God is amazing when he's in control, which he is. Now Moses was under the influence of his mother. And oh, what an influence is the influence of a mother. William Ross Wallace wrote the poem, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle Rules the World. I don't know who said it, but somebody else Put it a different way, the hand that rocks the cradle is connected to someone who's not getting enough sleep. All right? You probably agree with me on that one too. Do you know what it, uh, what it's called, what you call it when a baby refuses to sleep? Resisting arrest. Resisting arrest. Okay, we'll move right on here. There is perhaps no greater influence on a child than that of his mother. When a man shows disdain for the law and contempt for those in authority, he still holds dear memories of his mother. I talked one time to the uh, someone that worked at Jackson State Prison in uh, Michigan. I made, used to visit inmates there, and I was talking to him, and I, I asked about this, and he said that for Father's Day, hardly any difference is in, in the mail that goes out in the prison. But he says on Mother's Day and the week prior to that, Bags and bags and bags of mail is sent because we remember our mother. We treasure our mother. We value her. George Washington 
said this, My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. It is a proven fact that over 80% of a child's character is in place by age five, only age five. And when Jesus, we see in the New Testament, when Jesus wanted to use an object lesson, uh, who did he, in fact, he was giving them an object lesson of who's most likely to go to heaven. And who did he pick to show them? Was it a priest? Was it one of the scribes? No, it was a child. Little child, and he says, except you become as one of these, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he trying to say there? Uh, that going to heaven is not about living a good life. It's not about uh, attributing up a bunch of good works and doing a whole bunch of good things. Uh, going to heaven's all about trust. It's all about putting your trust in God who paid for your sins on the cross. And a child trusts what a child does. Work that is so important to God. Raising a child, you will not trust it with anybody but a mother. The launching of a boy or girl is greater work than launching a battleship. Moses was a chosen vessel and God wanted him to get the right kind of start. So guess what he did? He gave him back to his mother. Because that's the best thing you can do for a child. Give him to his mother. There isn't a child psychologist in all Egypt that God would trust with that baby. He knew the very best one on earth to trust with that child was his own mother. Influence. You tell me, friend, where did Moses get his faith? I believe he got it from his mother. Where did Moses get the backbone to say when he grew up, I will not be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. I'm going to suffer reproach with God's people. Who gave him the backbone to make that decision? I believe it was his mother. Uh, his mother is the one that started him that right direction. His mother had incredible faith and determination to do right. Everything is against her. Still, she holds to her convictions. Thank God for mothers who'll do right and instill it in their children. Mothers who stand for what is good and decent, even when it doesn't make them the best friend of their kid. Amen? By the way, moms, you were not called to be your kid's friend. You're called to be your kid's mom. The two don't always intermix. The bravest battle that ever was fought. Shall I tell you where and when? On the maps of the world you'll find it not was fought by the mothers of men. Nay, not with cannon or battle shot, with sword or nobler pen. Nay, not with the eloquent word or thought from mouths of wonderful men. But deep in a walled up woman's heart of a woman that would not yield, but bravely, silently bore her part. Lo, there is the battlefield. No marshalling of troops, no battle song, no batter, no banner to gleam and wave, but oh, these battles they lost so long from babyhood to the grave. If all you do, mom, is stay home and raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and you feel you've accomplished nothing else in your life, I say hallelujah. Thank God for you. That's a noble, noble work. Don't ever take that job lightly. Hey, being a president is small business to being a mother. Amen? Moses' mother did more for the world than all the princes of Egypt or Pharaoh himself of that day by just being a mother. You say, yeah, but she got paid for it. Well, you know, there is that. She was a mother. Building character is better than building a skyscraper. One day... 
Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28, and of course this is all our goals. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Thank God for our mothers. Let me ask you today, friend, do you appreciate your mother? Oh, how important these days are of reminding our young people and our children what they have in a mother. Too often we don't appreciate what we have close. What, what, that, that's close to us. We take it for granted. But when the years and miles separate you, how much more precious is this time? Someone put together this timeline. Four years old. Mommy can do anything. Eight years old. My mommy knows a lot. A whole lot. Twelve years old. Mom doesn't know everything. Fourteen years old. Naturally, mom doesn't get that either. 16 years old, mom, she is hopelessly old-fashioned. Aren't teenagers wonderful? Mark Twain said, when a child turns 13, stick him in a barrel and feed him through a hole. Amen? When he turns 16, plug the hole. I think that's probably good advice. 16 years old, mom, she is hopelessly old-fashioned. 18 years old, that old woman has no idea what she's talking about. 25 years old, well, she might be a little smarter than I thought. 30 years old, mom is smarter than she used to be. 35 years old, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. Six, uh, 50 years old, I wonder what mom would have thought about that. 65 years old, I wish I could talk it over one more time with mom. If you still have your mother, take advantage of it on this day. You know what you should do today is call your mother, tell her you love her, tell her you appreciate her. Remember, you're the only person that knows the sound of her beating heart from the inside. How about it this morning? Have you showed the appreciation that your mother deserves? There may be someone in this room, you're not saved, and your mom's prayed for you. You know it. You know that you are going down the wrong path of your life. You know you have a praying mother that's lifting your name up to the Lord. You ought to get that right today. You ought to get in front, you ought to bow your knee and accept the Lord Jesus into your heart today. Maybe you're living a life that's breaking your mother's heart. Get that right today. Not to please mom, but to please the Lord. To get right with Him. Maybe you're a mom in here today and your heart is torn in two because of one of your children. Every mother with God on her side is on the winning team. Every mother with God on her side is on the winning team. Don't beat yourself up, mom, for the failures of your children. You keep on being the solid anchor that your home needs. Oh, listen, mom, today your influence in the lives of your children is beyond calculation. I mean that. I really mean that. You'll never know in your lifetime the influence, your influence, what it'll end up creating for God and doing for Him. How about it today? The key today is not to be right with your mom. The key today is to be right with God. That's the, that's the main thing. But how often are those aligned? Amen? Way to please moms, please the Lord. How about it today? Let's have every, every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know how the Lord spoke to you today. Maybe there's somebody in here.